There are two types of people, people who say and people who do. I've spent a good portion of my life trying to be someone who does, not just someone who says. Let's be honest, this isn't always easy. When we see a problem in the world, it can be really easy to say, gosh, someone should really do something about that. It's a whole lot more difficult to actually be the one to say, well, maybe that someone is me. Is there something in your life or in your world that's heavy on your heart? Or is there an issue you're passionate about, a calling you feel on your life? Have you been talking about doing something for a long time, but you haven't actually taken the steps to do it? Maybe today's the day you take that first step to, well, actually do it. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just all-around amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Leah Valerio, the founder of Malia Designs, a fair trade handbag and accessory company that is employing disadvantaged people in Cambodia and also directly impacting the anti-human trafficking movement. I love Leah and I love this company and I cannot wait for you to hear her story. But first, I want to thank one of this week's sponsors of the show, which is Causebox. I am so excited about having Causebox as a partner of this podcast because I have actually been a subscriber of Causebox since the beginning. I started subscribing to Causebox over two years ago and immediately fell in love with it. And I have been a proud subscriber ever since. For those that don't know, Causebox is a quarterly subscription box that comes out each season. And each season's box has a whole design and product theme. And every single product in the box is ethically made, fair trade, or gives back in some way. And the products are gorgeous. I've never been disappointed by a box ever. This is one of my all-time favorite subscription box companies, and truly, I believe it is one of the best values too. It costs about $50 per box, but you receive more than $150 worth of beautiful and unique products that are making a difference in the world. The most recent fall box is one of my all-time favorites. It's already sold out, but that upcycled bone necklace is one I wear almost every day. But the winter cause box is coming out soon, and I'm so excited because there is a gorgeous limited edition cause box specific pom-pom beanie from Crochet Kids in the box. I can't wait. I'm so excited. This would be the perfect gift to give this holiday season. The team at Causebox has been so generous as to provide my listeners an exclusive coupon code for $15 off your first box with the code MOLLY. Simply go to stillbeingmolly.com slash Causebox. That's stillbeingmolly slash C-A-U-S-E B-O-X and use the code MOLLY for $15 off. Some of you who have been listening to the show for a while will probably remember that I actually had Matt Richardson, the founder of Causebox, on the show last December. So you can go back to listen to that episode. That's episode 13 with Matt Richardson of Causebox. And it is to date one of my all-time favorite episodes. So you should definitely go back and listen to it because you can hear the whole Causebox story and also just Matt's crazy, awesome life stories in general because that is one of the coolest dudes I've ever had the pleasure of speaking with. Now, on to the episode with Leah. Hey, Leah. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I am good. I am pumped to have you on this week to talk about Malia Designs. And I am honestly, 
I have been a fan of Malia Designs for, I don't know when I first discovered you guys, but oh my goodness, everything you guys make is just so beautiful. And so I am so excited to hear the story behind this company that I love so much. Um, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes when you you come across a brand or a company and you're like, I love their stuff. I want to know their story. And I get to actually learn your story. So I'm, I'm a little I'm a little excited right now. Thank you. I have a very big smile on my face. Oh, I know. Sometimes like when uh, when doing the podcasting thing, you're like, I'm like, oh, I really wish I could actually see what you look like right now. <laughs> so without further ado, Leah, give us the Leah 101. So tell us your story. Where are you from? And what did you study or all the things that led you to where you are today? And for those that are listening that do not know Malia Designs, tell us about Malia Designs. Sure thing. Okay. Um, Well, Malia Designs is a fair trade handbag company out of Cambodia with a social mission to fight human trafficking. Um, We've been in business now for 12 years. Um, Started in 2005. And um, it's been a really great journey. Started the company um, after um, I was a Peace Corps volunteer and then traveled um, through Southeast Asia and really fell in love with Cambodia. The people, um, the textiles, yeah, <laughs> really everything. Um, it was a really great experience. and um, But also had um, also witnessed human trafficking and thought, wow, there's got to be a way to make change at a grassroots level by utilizing a lot of the things that were already happening there. Um, even, oh my gosh, the first trip I was, it was almost 20 years ago now. And um, I had the opportunity to meet with many, um, well, with several fair trade groups while I was there and see the textiles and things like that. And thought, wow, there's got to be a way to sort of bridge the gap between the Western market and what is happening here already. Mm-hmm. So um, that was sort of the impetus of how Malia Designs got started. So where in, in the Peace Corps did you serve? Just was it kind of all over or where were you actually stationed? I was actually in the South Pacific. I was in Tonga. Okay. Um, yeah, a group of islands in the South Pacific. It's near Fiji, um, Polynesian. And after we were done with our service, we had the opportunity to either take the one-way ticket back home or the uh, monetary amount of the uh, ticket. And then many of us ended up buying around the world tickets. And so that's how I got to um, Southeast Asia. Wow. Well, I I ask because I have not only a friend from high school who served in the Peace Corps, um, and she served in Moldova. And then my aunt actually kind of had um, or one of one of I have many aunts, but um, my my aunt, she turned what? How old was she when she did this? I want to say she turned 60, but it may be she was a little younger than that. But she left her kind of corporate job and she went and did the Peace Corps like in her, you know, kind of second life, if you will. Um, and so she served in the Peace Corps in Romania. And then now she actually works for the Peace Corps, uh, I guess at the corporate, if that is, even is like a thing, but the corporate level um, doing, she travels all around kind of the Southeast area, going to colleges and talking about the Peace Corps and things like that. But she, I mean, you know, obviously even later in her life, it completely changed her life and 
change the trajectory of what she decided what she wanted to do. And she, it's always a lesson to me of, you know, it's never too late to pursue something that you want and do something you're interested in, pursue something you're interested in. Um, and I and forgive me for saying this, um, but I have to say I the only and probably people listening, I'm not going to be the only one. OK, so don't judge me. Don't judge me. But the only thing I really know about Tonga, well, I mean, I looked up the country, obviously, after this happened, but I guess it was the Summer Olympics last year. And <laughs> like that, the the flag holder from Tonga went went um, viral online because he was he was a bit attractive. <laughs> statement, right? Yeah. I'm like, but yeah. it was so funny. Like, I remember I remember watching the the, the opening ceremony and because I love I love the Olympics, and I remember the Tonga flag holder came through, and I think even my husband said something like, "Wow, he's really oiled up," and uh, I was like, "Wow, who's that guy?" <laughs> and then apparently the internet also collectively was like, "Who's that guy?" And yeah. um, and then but then all these but then like all these major news outlets were like here's like all about Tonga and so Tonga got all this press about and you know was everybody was being educated on the country of Tonga because of this one guy and yeah Yeah. so (laughs) forgive me but I know that there's somebody listening who is is saying the same thing like I remember Tonga (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah that's that's a traditional um he was in traditional attire and yeah when they perform they Oil the skin with coconut oil. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's one thing I wanted to ask you about because I think this is really interesting. Um, so you started Malia Designs in 2005, and yeah. that is such a unique. I mean, that in and of itself is unique because I feel like in a lot of ways, up until I don't even know. I mean, maybe the last five years, I feel like for the most part, people didn't understand what fair trade products were. I mean, you would hear the term fair trade and people would think coffee, chocolate, tea, mm-hmm. maybe. But but I feel like as a general in the in the general consumer market, fair trade products just haven't really been known about. And so for Malia Designs have been around for 12 years and you guys started in 2005, like you guys were really on sort of the the the, the forefront, this is the beginning of this whole ethical fashion, ethical product movement. So I want to hear about that. So, you know, obviously when you got, you, when you traveled through Southeast Asia, you, you fell in love with Cambodia. What happened that led you to start Malia Designs and what did that look like in those early days? Well, after, after I left Cambodia, um, I came back home and talked with my best friend, uh, Maria, and said, you know, we should really start importing from this area. Um, the products are beautiful, and maybe we, at a grassroots level, we could really affect some positive change. And um, we both went to graduate school and got married. And so five years later, um, she and I had another discussion And uh, after she had traveled to the area and said, yeah, we should really do that. Um, she also had a very um, impactful trip to um, the region and specifically Cambodia. And um, when she returned, we sat down and wrote a business plan and um, talked about how we would want to create a business that can support the region um, in a fair trade manner and uh, fight human trafficking. And after that, we got a little bit of seed money and jumped on a plane and off we went. And 
literally walked the streets, um, met with many different producers, and over the years have cultivated relationships with um, four of them uh, that we still work with, uh, who have now become almost like family. And um, they each have their own missions in and of themselves. But at the beginning, really what it was, was finding people who were making, affecting positive change at a grassroots level for marginalized populations in Cambodia. Um, at the same time, producing beautiful, beautiful handmade goods. Oh, yes. I can attest to the fact that everything that you guys make is just beautiful. And the craftsmanship is beautiful. It's unique. I mean, every time I use one of the bags that I have, it's, you know, people always have to stop me and ask me, where did you get that? What is that made out of? You know, (laughs) tell me more. I mean, it's just, um, it is, it's unique. Um, So I think that is so, I mean, and, and then the other thing that stands out to me too about, you know, having done this in 2005 is also just the knowledge and the the awareness and the realization of the horror that is human trafficking. And human trafficking is a issue that, I mean, my listeners of the show and my, my blog readers and my friends and my family, like they know that this is, this is something I'm extremely passionate about. Um, I am on the board for a human trafficking organization here in North Carolina. And I've been you know, very active kind of in this space for the last, goodness, almost seven years. But, you know, in 2005, this was still an issue that people in the United States just really didn't know about. And okay. and, and honestly, I mean, even after having done work here in the United States after for seven years, people still don't really understand it. But they and they really think that it just, you know, kind of happens overseas and they don't realize that it happens here in the United States, too. But what has that portion of it been like as far as the education piece you know, and, and I guess if you could kind of give me some perspective on when you guys started in 2005 to what it looks like now and you guys came back and you started Malia Designs and you're, you know, you're, you're beginning to sell the products here and explain fair trade and explain human trafficking. What does that look, what did that look like, you know, educating consumers in the United States in 2005 versus now? Um, that's a great question. Uh, <laughs> huge difference in the knowledge yeah. of what human trafficking is um, here, here in the States now versus 12 years ago. Um, when we first started, we did a lot of like street fairs and things like that. And of course, our mission has always been the reason why we do what we do. So that was always a component of you know talking about the bags and why they're made in Cambodia and what is human trafficking. And people just... For the most part, it was a foreign concept, um, modern day slavery. And so that was something I would say about a year into the business, um, people started to become more aware of human trafficking due to some um, movies that came out and a little more like just honestly, it was a movie. I think it was a Lifetime movie that actually came out and people were like, oh, um, and so that with Mira Servino, who was a huge um, oh yeah, I don't know yeah so um, voice in the anti-human trafficking yeah. um, arena and um, but today most people have heard of human trafficking um, and uh, there are many 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 organizations that um, are both local and international that are fighting against this issue, which is our 
which is horrendous. Yeah. But for, for myself, like the first time that I went, that I was uh, became aware of it was almost 20 years ago, the first time I traveled throughout Southeast Asia. And I just had an experience where I was like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. And it, I, um, it led me to uh, doing a bunch of research and realizing what human trafficking was. And then in graduate school, um, I uh, was an intern at the um, at UNICEF in the child trafficking program there. Oh, and did wow. a research project on um, coalition building in Ciudad Juarez and uh, El Paso um, to fight human trafficking. And that was eye-opening as well, because even at, at that time, I mean, this was back in 2005, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, right before we started the the company. Um, and, uh, even, even the law enforcement organizations in this country were not specifically aware or fighting this issue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, um, there's been leaps and bounds of the educational component and in the organizations, both through law enforcement and uh, grassroots efforts to fight human trafficking. Um, it's still, I mean, it's the world's second largest illegal trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's ama- It's amazing to me how people still, I mean, obviously there are a lot of people that are much more aware, but how I still, you know, when I go to do maybe a training um, or, you know, I, I maybe go to an event and speak about what the organization I do or organization I work with does. I mean, there's always people that just have this almost – you know, like shell shocked look on their face, like what? Like, (laughs) I thought that only happens in movies. Like, you know, I mean, they really don't, people still just really don't realize how much of a real issue this is. Um, I'd love if you'd be able to kind of just speak a little bit to your experience and what you've learned about what, what the situation looks like in Cambodia um, versus, you know, elsewhere or, you know, especially here in the United States, like human trafficking obviously is all over the world, but it does in a lot of ways, it can look very different depending on where you are in the world. Um, Mm -hmm. and they have different components or different aspects to it. And I'd love for you to kind of just share your heart for, um, what's going on in Cambodia and, um, some of the issues that they're facing there. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, um, commercial sexual exploitation in Cambodia is a huge issue. I mean, all over um, Southeast Asia. Uh, and I, uh, it's a fine line to when it becomes trafficking. There have been a lot of, a lot of leaps and bounds to sort of deal with human trafficking over the past decade yeah. in Cambodia. The government is quite a bit more um, proactive about it now, um, but it still exists. Um, when we first started the company, there was a big issue on, um, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, uh, it's an impoverished nation. Um, Mm -hmm. and oftentimes people have many children and sometimes they would be sold, um, Mm. with false pretenses, uh, where it was, oh, uh, your child will be working in a hotel or, um, as a waitress. Um, sometimes though, it's also with full knowledge that your child will be abused. Um, Mm. and there are many organizations that are working to rescue these girls and alleviate this, um, issue. And we work with, um, 
we work, we've actually donated to an organization called Dominic Talk for the past 10 years. And they work with um, uh, child victims of human trafficking. Mm. Uh, they were started back in 1997 um, and were asked by UNICEF to create an organization, um, to create a home in uh, Poipet, which is the border city between um, Cambodia and Thailand, so that children who had been trafficked into Thailand for um, sexual exploitation or for work exploitation would have a place once they were rescued and returned to the country to start the rehabilitation process. Oftentimes these kids were just basically brought back and then put right back on the streets. Um, and uh, of course that's extraordinarily vulnerable mm -hmm. position to be in. Mm -hmm. um, the organization works with human trafficking victims, works with sort of the knowledge uh, or spreading, spreading education to um, families as well, that this is, this is a real issue and that their children will be, you know, can be exploited in this way. And uh, just the work that they do is really incredible. They do a lot of educational outreach as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, over the years we've donated, I mean, to them specifically, probably over $125,000, which wow. is um, a source of real pride for yeah. us. We also donate to organizations uh, locally here in the States that fight human trafficking too. Mm. Um, this is not an issue that is, um, you know, country specific. I mean, it it is country specific, but it's also, you know, and it's in the way that it unfolds, but it's also something that really affects the world over. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it's uh, really based in fear. Like there's oftentimes that people just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. So um, having the awareness here in the States now and all of the organizations that have been built to um, create the awareness and to fight human trafficking is um well, it's an honor to be a part of that process. Mm. Well, that that's that leads me to my question. Maybe you've sort of already answered it, but I guess could you kind of explain exactly how you know you guys chose the model for the business and how exactly you guys are impacting you know working to end human trafficking in Cambodia? You know, is it just through the hiring of? you know, artisans who have been affected, um, you know, is it the, as you said, donating to organizations? Kind of give us a picture of what the model looks like. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, well, basically, Malia Designs um, has a three-pronged business model. Um, our products are made by fair trade producer groups that employ disadvantaged people in Cambodia. Um, primarily, we work with at-risk women mm. and the disabled. Uh, the second part is that we offer a high-quality fashion-forward product. Um, that it's geared towards the Western market and all of all of our materials are sourced locally in Cambodia and our fair trade production processes and the use of recycled materials are also good for the planet. And then finally, our third approach is that we uh, aim to fight human trafficking by donating to organizations that work in this area. Mm. So basically, like overall, what we're looking to do is to provide an alternative source of income for marginalized women so that we can lessen the likelihood that these women will be re-victimized or become victims of commercial sexual exploitation or trafficking. Yeah. And not only does like this transform the lives of the women, but their children too. Um, and that's a big part of what we do is that we want this to, to trickle down yeah. into the community and, um, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, since the very beginning, our primary mission has been to provide this source of income to our artisan partners and to lessen their vulnerability and empower them to break the cycle of poverty. 
Okay, I know you guys are loving this conversation with Leah, but I want to take a quick break from talking with her to tell you about another amazing sponsor of today's show. Our first sponsor, of course, was Causebox, and our second sponsor today is Sevenly. Sevenly was founded in 2011 with the mission of leading a generation towards generosity. Based on the core belief that people matter, the Sevenly team created a cause art movement consisting of seven-day cause campaigns, inviting customers to purchase advocacy art, apparel, and accessories that donate to nonprofits. Now widely recognized as one of the world's leading social good companies, to date, Sevenly has given back over five million dollars to charities around the world. This holiday season, Sevenly is excited to offer you the opportunity to give back while also giving gifts to your loved ones. One of my favorite shirts from Sevenly is the Freedom Is Not Free shirt. Not only is it soft and has a beautiful design, but it helps to benefit Hope for the Warriors, an amazing organization that is helping wounded soldiers and their families. Check out their signature collections at sevenly.org and give back to the charity of your choice. Use the coupon code MOLLY10 for 10% off now through the end of November. Now, if you haven't heard my interview with the co-founder of Sevenly, Jim Van Erden, you can go back and listen to episode 53 to hear it. It was one of my favorite episodes to date, and I know you will love it. Now, back to my conversation with Leah. So I'd love also for you to kind of share, you know, as you, you guys, obviously you, you designed this business plan and you were really looking to impact these communities how did you guys kind of come up with the, you know, how did you guys decide on a product? Um, you know, what did the early days of the business look like as far as, you know, did you do a lot of kind of just sampling and bring it back to the U.S. and sell it out of your trunk? Or, you know, yes. how did, you know what did those, you know, I, I it's so funny because I have so many, a lot of my listeners are sort of in this early stages of kind of dreaming and and coming up with visions and um, some of them just want to work with you know groups like what you guys are doing or just purchase from or and then I have you know I've, I've had people email me who are like oh you know the stories of these business owners is so it inspiring to me because I want to start my own business, but I don't know, you know, I don't know where to start. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of just share why you guys decided, you know, on bags and things like that. And how did that, how did that look in the beginning? And, and now do you guys primarily just sell online or is it, you know, online and wholesale? What does that look like? Sure. Sure. Um, so first of all, who doesn't love a good handbag? I mean, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a product that is useful, um, and also very fashionable, fashionable and Mm -hmm. fun. Um, I think the textiles in Cambodia lend themselves to being used, um, as a handbag. Uh, we work with a lot of recycled products and, um, for example, we work with a recycled feed bag and a recycled cement bag. And so originally these carried other substances. And oftentimes the stuff is just discarded and goes into, you know, it's just waste. And so if you can take this material and reuse it to create something beautiful and new, then why not? So part of part of the reason handbags is because the materials really lend themselves to that. Also, I mean, the silks in Southeast Asia are incredible. Watching the process of having of the hand weaving is really magical. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, however, 20 years ago when I was traveling through the area, that was what, I mean, just, I was blown away by the silks. Um, 
and then through through the years, um, adding on uh, different lines, all locally based materials. Yeah. Um, even the screen prints that we do, um, all of the materials there are upcycled out of the garment industry. Mm-hmm. So they're leftover fabrics uh, or end bolts. And that's where we source our base fabrics and then, you know, put our beautiful hand screen printing on the top. Um, so that's, yes, that's kind of where we come from as far as why handbags. And we do have a great tagline, which is designed to carry a cause. So, yes, I love, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's really where we came from as far as the handbags were concerned. And I, I, I apologize, but what was the second part of your question? Oh, just, you know, what did, you know, do you guys do primarily wholesale or, um, you know, what is, what does the actual business model look like these days? Okay. Um, yes, we are primarily wholesale. I would say that 95% of our business is wholesale. Um, uh, we work with, uh, companies, around the world, really, um, mostly small boutiques, um, fair trade stores, um, lots of co-ops, things of that nature. Um, we've worked with Whole Foods. Um, wow. Yeah, just, uh, you know, organizations that are like-minded often, but also boutiques um, who just really love a, a good product. Um, you know, we've always really prided ourselves on um, creating a product that doesn't necessarily look fair trade and in these days that that means different than what it did you know 12 years ago yeah oh for Um, sure for sure I mean uh but really the goal of Malia was to create a product where the icing on the cake was that it was fair trade Mm. and had a social mission behind it but that the product really just stood on its own and um I I feel that we've accomplished that but we also do um sell online we do fairs we do holiday shows um and and that's a great way to be able to um, really get out there and speak to your end customer. Yeah, which is awesome. Yes, and I I love that point that you made is like that you wanted it to just happen to be fair trade uh, because that is that has changed a lot over the years, and that's something I feel like I'm still trying to help educate people. Is like I promise, fair trade doesn't mean it's just like some like frou frou like macrame vest and with like a person like <laughs> in a field of sunflowers like like spraying patchouli everywhere. Like I. Pro- I promise this isn't this is not the crunchy thing that you think it is. Uh, And I say that coming as a person who is like I I say I'm crunchy light. Like I I'm not your like typical crunchy person, but I'm like I'm a little crunchy. It's 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 totally fine. I like it. It's I'm crunchy light. I'm crunchy light. And that's so important too, though, for the product to stand on its own. And that is another common thread that I hear from so many fair trade businesses and ethical brands of how, you know, they want the stories of their artisans to be important, but they don't want a pity sale, you know, and the artisans don't want a pity sale. They want you to buy their product because it's beautiful and you love it. And that is so important. And I love how you guys, I feel like you guys do such a great job of, of balancing that, of, creating a beautiful product that stands on its own but also you share you know the purpose and the mission and you share the stories of the artisans and you know you are fair trade and you're you're making an impact on you know and ending human trafficking and I love that you 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 guys really sort of have seemed to have found that balance 
Um, or at least, for, you know, it comes from a, and I know, you know, I, I hear from business owners all the time of like, oh, if you only knew, you know, <laughs> and, but well, of course, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the, the life of an entrepreneur. Um, but, you know, you really do, you really have put a, just such a solid message out there um, that just really stands alongside your product so well. And so I just, I just have to say that um, as a consumer of you guys have, have really done a fantastic job at that. Thank you. That means a lot. It means a lot. Uh, oh, you're you are so welcome. Um, I would also, I'd kind of like to know, you know, as a child and as you were growing up. I mean, obviously, you went to serve in the Peace Corps, um, but growing up, was that something you always wanted to do, or what led you to make that decision to serve in the Peace Corps? And and was you know was giving back, was serving, you know, w- was that always a part of your your blood, you know, did you always feel a passion for that or where did that come from? It's a really good question. (laughs) Um, I actually wanted to do the Peace Corps since I was probably about 14. Wow. Uh, It was just, my mother had actually applied and been accepted to do the Peace Corps when she was younger. So I I do think that, I mean, it was in there. Um, She ended up having me instead, but um, it was, you know, a a part of, I think the, the fabric, the story our family story. Um, so it was there. Uh, and you know, it's funny that you asked this because I, so I have a six and a half year old little mm. girl and, um, she started Girl Scouts last year. Oh, yes. And I, it's it, Girl Scouts had a huge impact on my life as a young, as a young child. I was a Girl Scout and, too. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, and it, it's funny because I started thinking about like, as I've you know, sort of been going through this process with her again about the service component of what being a Girl Scout was and yeah. is. Um, and I thought, wow, maybe that has a connection to leading me to doing the Peace Corps and then to creating hmm. and building Malia Designs um, with our fair trade mission and, the, you know, fighting human trafficking. Um, service has always been something that I feel is extremely important mm-hmm. to be useful, to give back. I mean, thank you for this opportunity. It's really nice to be able to reflect back on it and to sort of appreciate the process. Oh, yeah. I always am so fascinated and interested really to hear, you know, how social entrepreneurs who work in this space and are passionate about using their... I mean, that's why I started this podcast. I mean, mean, really, truly, I, I, I love hearing from people why is it that th- that this is something that they've dedicated their life to? Because as you know, this is not an easy space to work in. I mean, owning a business is hard in and of itself. And then when you are also dedicated to serving an entire group of people or you have a greater mission of ending something like human trafficking, I mean, that adds a whole nother level of <laughs> challenge. And I mean, it's yeah, it's like you take the challenges of being a business owner and then you add like all these layers to it. It's like it's like here you should birth this baby and then birth like four more right after. you know, Let's go ahead and let's just birth quintuplets right here. You can just yeah, we're going to do no meds. We're going to just get it out. You know, I mean, it really is. It's a challenge. Um, and so, but the, you know, and especially somebody who has been doing this since 2005, like you have the longevity, you have, you know, the blood, sweat and tears behind you and, and with you, you know, it's, 
it takes a, a a certain type of person to be able to push through those challenges. And this is a conversation I, I have a lot with friends and family, not just business owners of, you know, when people see sort of the the success, people forget that, well, there was a lot of hard stuff that we went through to get to the success. And and. I say to people all the time of success comes to the ones who just keep showing up and they just wake up every day and they have their mission, they have their why, they have their purpose and they push through it and they just keep showing up and they keep doing the work. Like you never see a successful person who gave up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like That is true. Very I mean, true statement. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like a, a simple thought or a simple concept. But it's true. I mean, the people, I mean, even you look at some of these people who, you know, maybe celebrities or, you know, the Richard Bransons of the world. I mean, they had failures. Mm -hmm. They all had failures and they kept showing up. Um, I did a, a blog post a couple of months ago kind of talking about this. And I think it was, was it Samuel L. Jackson or was it Morgan Freeman? It was one of them who, like, they didn't get their first big role until they were in their 50s. And we think of, you know, an actor like Samuel L. Jackson, and I, I, forgive me, I'll have to find the post and, and look it up. But, I mean, you think of an actor like that who's so iconic, and we didn't, we forget to realize, like, they, well, they were like 50 when they got famous. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, before that, they were just a struggling actor like anybody else. And it's just, it's so interesting to kind of think about, like, well, he, he didn't give up. He just kept he kept showing up to auditions and he would not get the part. He would not get the part. And eventually he got the part. And eventually, you know, you just again, you kind of push through those those times. And so, yeah, anyway, that's kind of, a, you know, my my long follow up to your to your answer. Just I, I mean, I, I I'm very fat, you know, fascinated by that kind of stuff of what really motivates people and how people really um, continue to push through the hard times. And um, and a lot of times the common thread I see is that there's something from childhood that says to them, this is what, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to serve. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting that, um, that you've observed that, but I, I, I'd have to agree with you. I think that oftentimes it's, it's just in you and you can't not do it. Absolutely. Hence the 50 year old success story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just in you and you can't not do it. Um, well, you mentioned real quick that you, you have um, a six and a half year old. Uh, so tell me a little bit about your family. Sure. I have a six and a half year old little girl who just started first grade. Aww. Her name is June. And I have a son who is four and a half. His name is LJ. Um, they are beautiful. They are the light of my life. Aww. Uh, and um, uh, happily married and living in Evanston, Illinois now. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's you know, work life balance. I think for 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 everybody is always a challenge, but yeah. um, that is a gift uh, of owning your own business. Mm -hmm. Is that you, even though you are always working, there is not um, there is no nine to five when you own your own business, but um, you you can be flexible in your time. Yes, so, um, I I am very I am very fortunate that I I have that flexibility to be with them. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Leah, we are about to transition into 
uh, the new segment that I have introduced to the show. You are only my second guest to experience the new segment. So um, I still don't have a title for the segment. So this is where um, I, ooh, <laughs> on my last guest, um, I told her that my husband really wants me to call it the gauntlet. And I'm like, that's weird. I'm <laughs> So now I'm scared. (laughs) uh, No, it's not bad. It's just where I I ask some questions to get to know you um, a little bit more. And and so this is where um, we insert the name of the segment here. And my husband's going to insert a funny sound effect here. So um, this is just the portion of the show that I want to get to know you a little bit more, um, ask maybe a serious question, and then also just kind of some fun questions, because I think it's always, you know, I just I love to get to know people on a on a fun level. So the first question of our new segment, and by the way, for my listeners, um, you can still tweet me your suggestions for the new segment name (laughs) you can tweet me at still being molly or on instagram let me know what you think this segment should be called so for the first question um it's a little bit more of a serious question what is the best business advice you've ever been given or what is the best business advice maybe you've learned over the years wow okay um best business advice i've ever been given i think gosh that's a yeah I mean, what honestly first comes to mind is just to keep going. Yeah. Like if you're passionate about it, just keep going and then you'll find the way. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, and, and to be honest, I think with yourself, with, the, with your goals, with your mission and blood, sweat and tears. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it just goes back to like what we were just saying about how the success really comes to those who keep showing up. So that's uh, it. I mean, really, that's I think that's it. Just keep showing up and to be and I really think it's important to to be uh, to be honest with yourself and what you're doing. And yeah, just keep going. Try. Yeah. Keep trying. Um, so I love I love to hear from owners of ethical brands who their favorite ethical brands are. Um, so do you have a favorite, you know, maybe a fair trade fashion brand or, mm-hmm. you know, jewelry company? What are some of the companies you love to support? Honestly, the the, the the beautiful part of this question is that there are so so many, many so brands, many, mm-hmm. which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I will I will choose one. Okay, um, Matcha Traders. Oh, uh, I love them. Yes, uh, they are also the Chicago based um, organization company, uh, and I um, have been friends with them for a decade now. Uh, beautiful uh, block printed dresses mm. out of India and a uh, fabulous um, jewelry line as well. And uh, it's so nice. And I, I, I do, I have a, a, a really phenomenal community, um, Chicago and worldwide, really, um, at state, uh, throughout the United States as well. And um, we are a member of the Fair Trade Federation, which is a fantastic organization that mm. really brings together so many people who are passionate about fair trade. Yeah. But to be like, to have organizations and companies that are local that you can just, and that are friends that you can just, you know, shoot an email over to and say, Hey, um, I'm interested in this, or I'm having an issue with this. What do you suggest? Um, and over the years, like matcha traders along with us, we've grown together. Um, and I'm just so impressed with what, what they're doing and what they've done. Um. And they, 
beautiful products. Oh, they really do. Their dresses. I have a couple necklaces from them. Um, yeah, they are. I'm a big, big fan of their work. Um, all right. So a fun question. What is a movie you can watch over and over again and never get bored of? Oh, God. <laughs> um, oh, let's see. A movie that I go, Goonies. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sloth Goonies loves chunk. Sure. Sloth loves chunk. Yes. Everybody- yes. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. <laughs> I love it. See, it's the best. Yes. Oh, yes. Now I need Eight to go home. Childhood. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Mine is airplane. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you were sent into space with only three items, what would those three items be? And this is obviously assuming all of your family, you know, they're okay, all there. Okay, so these are, yes, okay. So um, these are like items that you're like, I would need these in space. <laughs> I would need these in space. I mean, I, I, well, now I'm thinking about being up in space. So maybe a camera. Oh, <laughs> yeah. See, yes. I thought the same thing. I'm like, I mean, if I'm in space, like I'm going to want to take some pictures. Right, right. Okay, there's food there though, right? Yeah, yeah, there's food. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, so I was going to like food. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let's see. I don't know. Probably like some sort of, you know, writing utensil and paper, something like that. I I mean, I would think that if you're up in space, you're probably going to have some big thoughts and you might want to write them down. Yeah. Lots of thoughts. So many thoughts. (laughs) So many thoughts. Uh, And a third one. Well, of course, photographs. Yeah. Mementos, things like that. Oh, mementos. I like like that. I like that. I like that. Okay, and so this last part is going to be, this is my, what I'm going to call, we'll call this the rapid fire round. Okay. All right, so we've got 10 questions, and it's either or, and you have to just say what comes to mind. All okay. right, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, coffee or tea? Coffee. Dresses or skirts? Skirts. Books or movies? Books. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. <laughs> Good. Good choice. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Early bird. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Call or text? Call. Ooh, I like it. Because <laughs> some pe- people are very much either or. <laughs> yeah. PC or Mac? Mac. And probably the most important question of all, crushed ice or cubed ice? Cubed. Oh, really? <laughs> cubed yes. ice. It's so funny. North Carolina, where I live, everybody, and I don't know if it's a regional thing, but everybody here is about the the crushed ice, chewy ice. Honestly, to be completely honest, no ice would be my real answer. Really? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So so the funny thing is, is that my husband makes fun of me. So my vice is Diet Coke. Like I love Diet Coke. If you're listening, spare, (laughs) spare me the emails. I know. I've heard it all. Spare me. I work out like six days a week. I eat pretty healthy. Diet Coke's my vice. Spare me. Um, like I am not at a point in my life right now where I'm prepared to give up Diet Coke, okay? I have young children. I don't drink coffee. I need my caffeine. But my husband, he is not a soda drinker. and He's not a coffee drinker either way. He, I mean, he just drinks water pretty much. And he, but he makes fun of me because I love crushed ice so much and there's a couple like gas stations around who have like really great diet cokes with crushed ice (laughs) and then but like a mcdonald's diet coke like i don't eat food from from mcdonald's but their diet coke is legit and if you are a (laughs) diet coke drinker you know that mcdonald's diet coke is legit and but they have cubed ice 
and but part of what makes Diet Coke so Effort McDonald's so legit is the way that they actually like I guess filter it or whatever. Like their pipes are refrigerated, and so it's cold when it comes out. So I like no ice from McDonald's, and my husband's like, it is too hard to pay attention. No, this is hilarious. Yeah. I know this is so embarrassing uh but I mean my husband like literally makes fun of me because he's like I don't understand I can't keep track of what you like from where because like sometimes I'll get you ice and then sometimes you want no ice and I can't keep track woman (laughs) obviously we don't actually have fights about this he just thinks it's funny that I'm so particular when all he wants is water and he complains that whenever because you know whenever you go to like a restaurant or like a fast casual restaurant you ask for a water cup like the water cup is always super small mm-hmm. and he's always like why do water drinkers get discriminated against <laughs> like, oh, why do i don't why don't i get a big a big cup like you get oh anyway i know it's silly but i love it see i, I like i like getting to know people um a little bit more and, and learning their 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 quirks and 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 whatnot so <laughs> thank you for for participating in my rapid fire round i it was enjoyable <laughs> Uh, Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was just such a pleasure and an honor to to speak with you and to hear your story. Um, I just, I, I absolutely loved it. Thank you, Molly. I really appreciate the opportunity and love what you're doing. Isn't Leah amazing? She was such a joy and I'm so inspired by her work. Malia Designs has actually been so generous as to give my listeners an exclusive discount code. Save you guys all the money. I'm just helping you out. The exclusive discount code of Molly25 for 25% off your purchase. You can visit them at maliadesigns.com. That's M-A-L-I-A designs.com. I'll be sure to have all those links in the show notes in addition to the awesome coupon codes from our other sponsors. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. As always, if you're a first-time listener of the show, welcome. You can always visit the archives for past shows with other amazing entrepreneurs. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Radio Public, or your favorite podcasting app and make sure that you are subscribed. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure that you never miss a new episode. And if you have a moment, would you mind leaving a review? Leaving a review of the show helps other listeners to know what to expect and they want to know how this show is personally impacting you and they also it just helps me too this recent review from Cassidy says if you're interested in real honest stories of the people behind some of the coolest movements brands or businesses that are focused on doing good in the world you're in the right place Molly makes you feel like you're hanging out over coffee talking about how to make a difference with inspirational people thank you so much for that review Cassidy if you share the show on social media be sure to use the hashtag business with purpose podcast or tag me at still being molly on twitter instagram or facebook another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsors causebox and sevenly first visit stillbeingmolly.com slash causebox and use the coupon code molly for 15 dollars off or for sevenly visit sevenly.org and use the coupon code molly 10 for 10 percent off again save you all the money this holiday season This show is edited, as always, by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose, on purpose. 